When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's young men Son and Tottenham lead, and it's tucked into the top corner by Son. Clean off the line, surely Harry Kane forward. He's done it again. And put away by Ericsson. So he did get on the end of it. And it's 3-0 Tottenham here in the London Stadium. Hello guys and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs, our Christmas special. You can follow the show across a variety of different platforms. We're on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. You can also find us on Facebook and also not forgetting Instagram. On this very special edition of The Last Word on Spurs, we'll be bringing season's greetings to you with Jason McGovern. Jason, how are you? Not too bad, mate. Merry Christmas to everyone. Merry Christmas to you all, and joining us tonight, a very special guest, we're delighted to have him, we've got Lyle Thomas from Sky Sports joining us, Lyle, how are you? Good mate, good mate, yeah, getting ready for Christmas as well, so Merry Christmas to everyone. (laughs) We're delighted to have you Lyle, for anyone out there Lyle that doesn't know you, and I can't believe they don't, in terms of Tottenham related, do you want to give them a background as to how you cover Spurs? (laughs) You're flattering me. Oh. Uh, Yes, yeah, so I, I obviously work for Sky Sports News. I'm an assistant ed- news editor there. So I am kind of take a central role in um, in all the news gathering that Sky Sports News does for both of the TV and the the website and, and all the other digital platforms, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, there's obviously yeah, some clubs that I um, specialise in and obviously Tottenham is uh, probably chief among those, I'd say, as well as um, a number of the other London clubs. So, uh, so yeah, a lot of the... A lot of the Tottenham stuff, or most of the Tottenham stuff that um, that you see on Sky, is usually I've usually had a hand in, or has come from come from me. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's 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 kind of the gist of what I do. Okay, lovely. So, Lyle is the man, guys, for anything Tottenham related. So, we're hoping we're going to get a juicy hour in store. I tell you what, Lyle, let's bring it back to the summer, uh, which seems a while <laughs> back now. So, Spurs, we really made a conservative start to the transfer window, and finished with a late flourish with five signings in the final week. We had Sergio Ria come in. We have Davinson Sanchez, the record signing. Juan Foyth, Fernando Loriente and Paulo Gazaniga. How do you think Pochettino felt with the summer business? Do you think he was happy overall? I think he was probably happy with... Well, I'm sure he was happy with um, with the signing that they made. But um, I'm sure he would have wanted it in a little bit earlier. I think he's made no secret of that recently that... Um, I mean, any manager would would want players in as early as possible because they want them in the start of pre-season um, to work with them. So that was, um, you know, that is that's ideally what what would have been the case. But of course, it's it's a lot more difficult than that. Um, it's difficult for any club to get all their business done early, and and uh, Tottenham especially for 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 a number of reasons. But but um, I think overall, he's very, he would be very happy with the with the with the players they got. I mean, they 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 started the summer out. Um, wanted to get four, about four in. Um, they wanted to obviously improve at centre half, um, and ended up bringing two of those in. Um, and then they obviously wanted to bring in another striker. Um, I think that was a bit more of a late decision. 
And then obviously Serge Aurier needed to, needed to be brought in, and, and, and the right back was chief among the among the, the the issues they had to address with with Walker. Obviously moving on to to Man City, you know that was always something that was that was going to happen as the as the summer started. So I think generally the players that they brought in are, are very good. I mean Davinson Sanchez certainly has been mm. a, a great success, and I think that you know everybody could have, could see that he slotted it straight in there straight away, and he's a really good fit, and I think he's definitely a. Um, a testament to the to the scouting that went into him and the research that was done on on making sure that they brought in a defender that could slot into to what had been before you know before this season the best defense in the league for for probably two seasons. So you know, it's difficult for I think for any player, especially given his age. I mean, he's only twenty one to to have slotted in there in the way that he has um, has been amazing. And I think I think again that's shown by by the, the you know the dip in form since he's been out of the out of the team. I mean. When it was when it was Toby and it was um, Davinson Sanchez and Yamba Tonga all in there together, I think pretty, Spurs were pretty uh, pretty formidable at the back, pretty unstoppable. So um, so he's certainly been a success. Obviously, Serge Aurier was brought in late, so um, he's he's needed time to to settle in. You know, he needs a little bit of a, a preseason himself at that point. So it's taken him a while for him to settle into the team and get up to speed. I think he's still doing that. Uh, it can take a take a whole season for that to be the case, and I think it will be with. With Serge, obviously Juan Foyth's another youngster. Llorente's done it, but again, he's needed. He came in late and has needed a, a preseason as well, so to speak. So um, you know, I don't think we've seen quite seen the, the best of him. It's difficult for any any um, new striker coming to Tottenham. I mean, I think we talked about this before: is the difficulty of coming in and playing second fiddle for Kane and, and knowing that you're going to play second fiddle to Kane at all times when Kane's fit. Um, it's difficult for any prospective striker. They obviously tried. They tried with the young, the, the young option. They tried to bring a youngster in who could learn and and hopefully make somewhat of an impact when he came in the team. But that didn't didn't happen with um, with Janssen. So that obviously caused the shift in the shift in thinking. And 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 they thought it would be a better idea to bring in somebody older with more experience in Llorente, someone that's been there and done it. But he, I think you need to play a little bit of a different way to get the best out of Llorente. I don't think Tottenham have quite adjusted to that. Um, the rest of the team haven't quite adjusted, adjusted to that. You know, you need to play a lot more direct. You need to get the ball um, in wide areas and get good crosses in. You know, whether they're high crosses or low crosses, you know, you need to be play a bit more direct. I think to get the best out of Llorente, and he plays in a different way. Kane, you know, he's more of a poacher, isn't he, in the box, rather than Kane, who's, who's everywhere and picks the ball up everywhere and 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 can shoot, essentially shoot from and score from anywhere. So, you know, there's been. T- Again, this is this is the issue with um, bringing in players late. It takes a while to adjust to them, and, and you're adjusting to them in, during the season, and that's always going to have an impact on results, unfortunately. So I think if that, that's probably the disappointing side, but overall, the actual players they brought in, I think the business has been very good, and, and Pochettino certainly feels that way as far as I know. So, yeah. That's good to know. Jace, I think I mean, you come up with some quotes he... recently, didn't you, about Pochettino making no secret that he wants to have players in earlier in an ideal world. Yeah, I think we all know you'd you'd get them in earlier in an ideal world, but I think um, you know I think there are there are reasons why perhaps our number one targets the types of players that the the bigger clubs would also be wanting. You know, while we have to wait kind of for the, for those bigger clubs to make a decision, or you have to wait for the player to think, well, I could sign for Tottenham, but I might fancy Manchester City more, and therefore they do wait. And and you you then split between well do I move on to target number two and three in July or do I really hold out for my first choice target which if he comes he'll come late I think the other thing with Oreo I mean in fairness with him 
even if we'd have wanted to sign him on June the 1st, I think with the court case and, and the, the various issues with the home office and things that he had, that you wouldn't possibly know able to do that, that, that deal earlier than we did. It's whether Aurier was the first choice or became a last resort choice that, that we signed him so late. Mm. Lol, can I ask you, um, Pochettino recently was quoted, as we say, a couple of weeks back, saying, we need to sign players in January and bring them in six months before. He used Deli Ali's transfer as the prime example. He says, we need to take advantage of the English market and add on English players together with the drive to promote English youngsters from the academy. What's your thoughts on those quotes? Is anything you can kind of tell us? Is that more of a case he's trying to push Daniel Levy? I'm guessing they've spoke about that anyway before behind closed doors as such. I'm sure they have, and 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 I think um, it, obviously he was airing his feelings as to the, you know, uh, giving his arms of the successes that they have. Obviously, Deli Ali was a, was a success, and they needed to do that deal when they did in order to get him, you know, because of the other interest that there was there was there in him, and 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 you know potentially there's a similar situation there with Ryan Sessegnon in in January, in that that he's obviously the player that Tottenham want. You know, he's the he's the the, the top target that Tottenham have um, to replace. Eventually replace Rose. Um, so again, they're in a situation where where you know the the possibility is there to do a deal you know in January for for him and and but whether they whether they want to loan him back to Fulham mm. or not you know another matter because obviously after the the Deli Ali thing happened we had that situation with Moussa Dembele didn't we in in in, in January we where did. yeah. They wanted to sign him, um, and and Fulham were okay with that as long as they could get him back on loan for the rest of the season. And the club weren't prepared to do that. I mean, it's it's difficult. You know, you sign a player and you want to have that player with you. You know, you want um, he, he becomes your asset, and you want to have him learning, learning from 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 the manager and learning how to you know how to adjust and, and become part of the team. And you know, I'm sure in an ideal world, Spurs Spurs would want that, but I'm not sure. I, I, I'm, uh, Fulham would put up a big fight to keep hold of um, Sessegnon in January. You know, he's an important part of their team. He signed a new contract in the summer. You know, um, and and let's not rule out the fact that the player has a decision to make in this. You know, it's not necessarily a foregone conclusion that he would he would choose to move to Spurs halfway through a season than continue playing at Fulham. I think at his age, he wants to be playing all the time, mm-hmm. um, much as possible. So, you know, it will affect. It will depend on what happens with Rose at the same time. So. You know, that's why I always say that January is such a difficult month to 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 get a clear idea of you know what's going to happen while the months are going. That so many factors in, so many decisions that that um, have to be made. Um, it's diff- it's a difficult time to do business. Um, so you know whether Pochettino wants going back to you know the back to the issue whether he you know he might want to bring players early, but whether that can actually happen or not is another matter. You know, it's much more difficult than just what the manager wants to happen um so we'll see um you know it might be more a case of the spurs do a little bit more in terms of work to get deals done um before the world cup um so that these players can come back and join because i mean i think i think i was there actually when when he broached this subject for the first time and, it, and i gauged more that he was he wanted players in for pre-season than 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 necessarily getting them in in January six months before that what he really wanted was these players in for preseason so you know you, you might not necessarily be able to do a deal um, in January for these players but you can certainly get most of it agreed in principle at least um, you know before the World Cup so that once once you know once the transfer window opens you can get those players in so so we'll see uh, you know that's obviously what Pochettino wants but whether whether the rest of the club 
are willing to make that happen or can make that happen is another matter. Right, let's bring just you thinking, in, Jace. Just thinking, just thinking to next summer, uh, just quickly, haven't they now changed it that we can't sign Premier League players after the season starts? Did that rule get passed? Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. The, um, the, it the, is, isn't it? It's, it's not to the end of August next the, year, is it, for Premier League clubs? Yeah, it's been brought forward to uh, before the season starts. It's the Thursday yeah. before the season. So that means that foreign clubs, in theory, can come and po- poach your players in the last couple of weeks of the transfer window, but um, you can't buy anyone. Um, yeah. yeah. And with a World Cup in between, that's going to be an even... Shortens the window, what, yeah. It's going to really shorten the window this summer, isn't it? It does, but it's going to make it's going to force force people to make decisions a bit sooner and a bit quicker. You know, mm. uh, people delay over these decisions for a long time because they want to make sure they're making the right ones, and they want to. They're all surveying the market and see what's going on elsewhere, and, and looking at things to move, because it almost gives you a reason to make that decision um, when you're probably not sure of, of whether you're going to, you know, why or whether you're going to make it. And um, at that particular time, it's, it can be it can be um, it can be difficult. So I think the shorter window is a good thing because. It will force people to make decisions earlier and quicker, and uh, so it'll be. But you'll, you'll have a clearer idea of and, and of what's going on. I think managers ought to be a bit happier because, have, in theory, they'll have players in earlier. In theory. Interesting. Can I get your thoughts, Jace, on that? What Lara spoken about in terms of Ryan Sessing Young, Danny Rose. It seems like you know whatever has been said in in recent news reports, there does seem to be an interest there. How interested will you see maybe get Sessing Young in January if that's a possibility? Well, I think I think for Sessignon, as he said, he, he, his biggest thing is he wants to play games of football, and, and ideally, you want him playing games. So, I mean, if, if Rose was to leave in January, then it allows Sessignon the the uh, opportunity to play games for Tottenham. But if you keep Rose and Davis, and you sign Sessignon in January, he's he's you know the likelihood is he's not going to play. I would think the only other possible balancing act, even if you you let Rose go and and, and Fulham were at weren't necessarily willing to allow Sessignon to go because they fear how do they replace him is that you, you try and soften the blow maybe with with Fulham and that you offer them Walker-Peters and Nkudu on loan to, to try and make up for the gap that, that Sessignon will leave and whether whether you could throw that into the equation which obviously helps us because we want Walker-Peters to play games as well to, to judge how he is so there's various opportunities to to, to try and make a proposal to Fulham, but at the end of the day, it's it's Fulham's decision and it's the players' decision. How ready, love do you think Sessing Young is? I mean, it's, it's a massive step up from Championship to Premier League. The guy seems to be getting rave reviews in the league he's in. You know, my argument is that if we bring him in, in January, and, for example, we have an injury where we lose Sergio Aria, um, Ben <laughs> Davis, is he ready, let's, dare we say, throwing against a Juventus in the Champions League? I mean, it's a massive step up from Championship the Premier League, even Champions League, is that kid ready for that yet? Uh, it's difficult. It's a difficult question mm. to answer. I mean, if the, if there is, if there is a kid um, in the lower divisions who is ready for that, it, it's him. Right. You know, if there, uh, you know, the, the, he's got the same sort of temperament as Ali, and he's pretty fearless from what I've seen. And I've watched him a lot. I mean, I watched him on his debut um, in the championship away at Leeds. You know, and again, it's a kind of. Um, uh, uh, a bit of a magnified example of the sort of the same thing, really, isn't it? That you're talking about, which is throwing a player who's not got any experience into a big situation. You know, going going away and playing at Leeds and Ellen Road in front of a big crowd in the Championship, 16 years old, and he was absolutely devastating that day. He absolutely tore Leeds to shreds on the on the, on their their right hand side on, up the left for Fulham. It was astonishing to see a kid of that age do that, and you know 
that that is obviously why he's so attractive to to a number of top teams and not just Tottenham, um, because that's the mentality that he has when he's put in those situations. You know, it's not just technically what he does on the field, but what you're also getting when you watch something like that is an idea of how the player reacts to being thrown in the deep end, which he was kind of that day, um, and he reacted very very well. And and he's you know he's one of the star performers in that league at 17, so. Yeah, you know, he's he's a once in a generation player, I think, from what I've seen, in, in in a similar sorts of way to Ali is. So that's another reason why Tottenham want to get their hands on him, um, and they want to get their, their hands on him whenever they can. And they've tried a number of times over the last few few transfer windows, but it's just not been able to happen. You know, for for a number of reasons, not been able to agree with Fulham, and also the you know the player has been been wanting to make sure he's playing regularly, and he's he's had more of a chance to do that at Fulham. Um, over the last over the last two seasons, so so um, yeah, I mean, he is. Can he can he do it? Like, could he do it in the Champions League against Juventus? Well, I mean, it would remain to be seen. But I, could he could he become a Premier League player very quickly? Yeah, I think he could. Okay. From what I've seen of. What's the realistic fee, Lyle? Realistic. <laughs> um, <laughs> realistic. I don't know. With Daniel Levy, know. it'll be five million. Well, I mean. <laughs> Confirmed the unconfirmed um, uh, information that was that was that was going around. I think it was reported somewhere, and, and I'd heard the same thing, but I wasn't, you know, so sure that it was necessarily correct. Was that that Spurs are loosely loosely indicated? I think via via intermediaries and not actually directly, but but indicated they were willing to pay something like twenty five for him in the summer, right. and that was they were knocked back. Uh, I think the, the message that came back via via a number of third parties was that's not going to be enough so more than that I don't know what the evaluation is at the moment on that the, they would look at for him but it would be more than that I think yeah I mean like um, you say, he's signed again, a new contract as well though, hasn't he that's the thing his value's probably gone up now if you, it would be, yeah I mean well yeah it would because he's played more games mm. and he's in the team and uh, you know there's only only six months of run down on the contract that, that he signed so you know he's um, he's become a better player um, since then but yeah, I mean, yeah, he's um, he's 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 a good he's a very good player, and he's he's the right kind of player. But I think again, Dan, when we talk about the fee, uh, what's crucial to Spurs and crucial to Daniel in terms of the fee is also how that fee is structured, what the what the agreement is over, you know, how how to actually pay that fee, um, and how much of it the Fulham would de- demand in cash up front, and how much it would that be. You know, in, in, in add-ons, so it matters less what the what the total cost is. I mean, you have to look at look at the Sissoko and San, and Davinson Sanchez deals. I mean, they're, they're big transfer fees, mm. but they're structured in a way that was that was um, within Tottenham's budget to do over the next few years. So, if they could do the sort of thing on Sessegnon, then uh, you know, then the actual total cost of the fee would be would be secondary to what the actual deal look like in terms of structure you know what I mean okay interesting just on that role just on that role Lyle there's, there's always lots of talk about um, Luke Shaw as well but I get the impression that that talk comes more from Manchester United's people looking to sell than Tottenham's people looking to buy Luke Shaw and I, I, I don't get the feeling that we're really that interested in Luke Shaw oh, <laughs> I hate to break it to you He's, he is second on the list no doubt oh, oh right that. okay Fair interesting enough. right about it, um, yeah. I mean, uh, Pochettino is a big fan of Shaw, and the, he's only 23 years old. Let's, let's not forget Luke Shaw. Um, you know, got a long way to go in his career, and and he's you know, we we yet to see obviously for, for sure 
whether he can yeah no pun intended there we're yet to see for sure if if he can become the 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 player that you know that showed the that showed the potential that he did when he was at Southampton and when he first moved to United um but you know obviously given the injuries that he's had it they can affect a player but it's um it, it would look like a little bit of a gamble but I but I think still has the potential to be a really 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 top player yeah so yeah I I think and and Pochettino really likes him they you know they've got a great great relationship um after what they shared together at Southampton, so I think that would I think that would work, that would work well, um, as a second option. But Sessegnon's the one; he's the one. Okay. You only have to, you have to watch him. You know, he's very versatile as well. Lyle, ninth of February, twenty seventeen, Spurs appointed Steve Hitchin as their new chief scout. At what, from what we understand, he was taken over from the imminent departure of Paul Mitchell, who was on gardening leave. I would presume he's no longer at the club now, Paul Mitchell. And um, is Steve really having any impact that Spurs expect him to have in terms of transfers and what he's doing at the club? Yeah, I know Paul, uh, Paul has left the club. Paul left um, left quite a while ago, so Steve has kind of filled that. Um, I mean, he's in a, a different a different role. They've kind of restructured it a little bit, so he's not head of recruitment like um, like Paul Mitchell was. He's you know chief scout, so he's really in charge of the scouting side. So you know, researching the the targets and and discussing them with Pochettino and the rest of the transfer guys and putting them on the table. And um, and yeah, I mean, the, 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 there's not a lot of him. He keeps quite a, light, a low profile. Um, Steve Hitchin, but he's well thought of and very well thought of in the scouting, in scouting um, circles. And uh, you know, I think he's had a few successes already. He's, his, his impact's been there. Um, he, he obviously watched, um, you know, the targets that the, the club brought in in the summer, um, and he's obviously watching a lot of players um, at the moment, um, ready for for well, more for next summer, I think, rather than rather than for January. Um, so. I mean, one of the things that they've been doing recently is looking at players um, to potentially replace Dembele, obviously, with him turning 31 next year and him having just about 18 months left on his contract now. So he'll have a year left next um, next summer. So he's obviously, you know, getting on a little bit. He's had some injuries. I mean, I think we've, we've started to see him come, come into some of his best form again this year. But um, and there's a little bit of a question mark, I would say, over Dembele's long-term future, given his age. Um, so you know they're they're, they're looking at the, the next player to come in really, and and also give a bit of um, give a bit of competition to Wanyama I think as well because I think Pochettino still sees Eric Dyer as a centre half more than he does as a central midfield player, and I think if Wanyama hadn't been injured this year, I think Eric Eric Dyer might have struggled to get in the team really, but he wouldn't certainly wouldn't have played in midfield. So I think they they need another option in there, and they've been looking at a few a few players. Some of the names I put out recently, so. Mm-hmm. Um, Kondogbia, they they like him a lot. Um, I mean, his situation is a bit more difficult given that he's on loan at Valencia, and Valencia are pretty sure that they've got him in the bag on a permanent deal in the summer um, next year. I mean, listen, in the same way that Southampton were dead sure they got Alderweireld on on a permanent deal themselves in right, the summer, okay. there there can be ways around these things. Um, but that, I mean, it's not got to that stage yet. So there's just there's just a player that they're, you know they're looking at and that they like. Matteo Genduzzi, the youngster at FC Lorient, and they're obviously a second tier team. But the, this guy Genduzzi looks quite good from what I've seen of him with clips and stuff. He's a bit of a David Luiz look-alike sort of okay. thing, and uh, that kind of similar stature. But he's more of a defensive mid- midfield player than Luiz. So um, he's an interesting one. But but City like him as well. So, and that's a, that's an indicator that that he's he's someone who's got a lot of potential, and he's very young as well. I think he's only 
what is he, 20, I think, or something like that, 21. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, and then Yves Basuma at Lille is another one they like. Frankie de Jong at Ajax another one they like. Yeah, I saw you mention that. I mean, to be fair, Lyle, of our recent record at Ajax, I think we take anyone because they do seem to come off come off quite well at Spurs. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I've mentioned this before. I don't know if people remember, but Spurs are specific clubs that Spurs look at more closely than others because of the way that they bring through players in a similar fashion to, to the way that they do. So, mm. you know, you, 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 can, you can be a bit, you know, there's more reliability on what you're getting from from those clubs and Ajax is one of those clubs and um, I think I did a piece a couple of months ago about um, them also looking at Van der Beek there and, and Justin Cliver and, and mentioning that the Ajax were one of the clubs that Spurs look at in particular so so yeah they, they, and yeah exactly they've had some some successes from there mm. um, so so yeah that's kind of how it is so back to Steve Hitchin yeah I mean as, as far as I know it's um, it's going it's going pretty well from a scouting point of view at the moment I mean, he's brought in a lot of scouts his own guys to do a lot of scouting for him. So as far as I know, there's none of the scouts that were working under Steve Hitchin are there anymore. I think he's got all his own guys in now to do it. And um, and at the moment, yeah, I think they're pretty happy with what they're doing. I think they're happy with the work that they did in the summer. And, and it's kind of onwards and upwards now with addressing the next issue. So, yeah, addressing that, um, that centre midfield position. And then I think the second striker position is still, still going to be a, an issue next summer, obviously, with... Llorente having come in um, and not not um, exactly lit any fireworks yet, and and also he's only on a two-year contract. He's getting on a bit, and I think he was a bit of a stopgap, obviously. And Janssen's to come back next summer, so they'll probably have another look at him, um, and obviously have a look at what options are out there next um, next summer in that regard. But um, it's a bit, bit of a way away yet. Okay, interesting. Jace, let's bring you in, Musa Dembele. What's your thoughts? Because we had a discussion on Sunday about Dembele long term and the concern that he. Didn't be able to cover. We couldn't really cover the pitch at the Etihad. Do you think that's a position long term we should be looking at in terms of trying to get a player in, like Lara was suggested? Well, regardless of Musa Dembele's current form, I mean, if you, you're 31 and there's 18 months left on your contract, then then obviously it's a, a long term view. But I think we've uh, I think we've all been shocked at the speed of of Musa's decline in in those big games this year. That's that's been the problem, and, and maybe that has brought that forward a little bit more. But um, you know whether whether Dembélé after the World Cup, I'm, I'm sure he'll he'll announce his Belgian retirement type of thing. I think there's a fair chance that he will do. And whether whether that means that he'll get a lot more rest between games on those international weeks, he can put his feet up and things like that. Whether that would would aid his uh, aid his overall fitness is arguable. But even if that is is the case. That's still a, show, uh, a sign that he's, he's declining, isn't he? You're still having to manage somebody's fitness rather than be reliant. And we, we saw our eventually managing somebody's fitness in Ledley's case eventually meant, you know, it became difficult with even with Ledley. So I think you, you, you've definitely got to be looking long term for Dembele and it probably needs doing, it certainly needs doing in the summer. Okay, lol. It's that time of the evening. You've briefly spoke about him already. We're back over to Danny Rose. I think there was an element, lol, of surprise on Saturday when Rose started his second consecutive Premier League appearance away at Manchester City. Bearing in mind his comments in the summer, as we know to the Sun, which we discussed with you off air briefly, where do you see his long-term future, and how detrimental do you think those comments were in terms of the dressing room? Um. Well, I can't imagine they'd have gone down very well. I mean, there was a, there was a sense, or some people were saying that he was saying what a lot of people were thinking at the time. But whether that's the case or not, I mean, to, to come out in public and and say it is a is a big um, 
it's a big leap, isn't it? It's a big, big mm. thing to do, and uh, and obviously not ideal while you're preparing for a season. You know, everybody's supposed to be pulling together, and and he definitely wasn't doing that at that particular time. So, I think um, it's one of the issues that the clubs obviously had to deal with um, through the course of the season and managing managing his integration back into the team is obviously something that's had to be done gradually and slowly rather than. You know, it, it would be a bad sign to other players to, if if a player could say something like that and 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 act, you know, act against the the rest of the club in that in that way that he did, and then bring him straight back into the team. I don't think that would kind of send the right message to the rest of the players. So they've obviously had to be very cautious about it. Um, but in terms of him playing his second successive game on Saturday, I think there's um, a number of reasons for that. I mean, first of all. First of all, the football side of it, which is that I think he's a lot quicker than Davis, and you need and you needed that that pace to to, to deal with the City players um, and, and how quick and intense they are in attack. And that's one of the reasons why he played. Obviously, he's he's fit enough now to do that, um, or almost fit enough now to do that. Um, but I but I also wonder. I don't know, but for sure. But I wonder whether there's a little bit of appeasement there as well right. in playing him for two for two 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 games in a row. You know, because he's, he's he's spoken recently about not being ha- not being happy about being dropped um, for certain games, but he's also been 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 getting much better in terms of his form as well. So it's, it's arguable that purely on football terms, he was he deserved to play another game if he was fit enough. And um, you know, I mean, unfortunately, we we can't replay the game with Ben Davis to see if Davis <laughs> would have done any. Don't think so. To be the right, I think it was the right move from a footballing decision for him to play in that game. And long term, Lyle, what do you see his future at the club, or is there one? It's difficult to see, isn't it? I think he, he's obviously indicated that you know he he's he's been thinking about moving on. He was thinking, obviously thinking about moving on this summer because he he said so. And um, you know, uh, the way I understand it, that he was he he would have considered a move to to Chelsea or United in the summer. And um, whether those two clubs want him still, um, I mean, they definitely both want left backs, but there's other other left backs that they're looking at as well. So. His long-term future at Tottenham not only depends on whether he wants to leave, it also depends on which clubs still want him. And things can change, can't they, from window to window. So it's whether those clubs still want him next month or or um, or next summer. So I think that's quite an important part of it. Really, is is you know where could he where could he move next? But um, I, I mean, long term, I don't see him. I don't see him at the club long term. Um, he's been in the club for for quite a long time. Nine years, I think. Nine, nearly ten years. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And, mm. and in the same way that Carl Walker had been at the club for a lot, for a long time, and 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 Tottenham, in the financial situation that they're in, they they are still in a position where, you know, getting good money for a player who's been at the club for that amount of time, um, in the same way as Walker, it happened with Walker, um, it, it's still something they need to do to to accrue some funds, you know, to be able to reinvest that back in the squad, and you know, on a number of players, not necessarily just one, so. I think I think we're we're in a similar situation to to um, to that that we found with Walker in the summer. But right. um, whether he goes, I think it's, at the moment it's probably leaning towards Rose moving on in the summer rather than in January. Um, you know, January is a difficult, like I said before, it's a difficult month to to do to do business in. It's, it's a gamble to for any club to go and fork out fifty million on a on a player in in January. And uh, and United are doing all right at the moment. I mean, if, if if I think a lot of it would have depended on you know obviously United have been interested in Rose, and if if we had a Manchester United who were currently saying like fifth place or sixth place and a couple of points or three points away from the top four, 
and and were needing to invest reinvest in their squad to get in the top four or or up among top two teams, then then you might see them look to commit on a, on a Danny Rose or an Alexandro or something. But at the moment, we've got a, a Manchester United who are the best of the rest at the moment, aren't they? No, yeah, indeed. Like in second, so you know, if you're Man United, you're thinking, do we do we really need to invest now, um, or do we keep going with what we've got? I mean, Ashley Young's been doing quite well at left back for for um, for United at the moment. So if Rose went there, would he get in over Ashley Young? Would they want to change the team and take Ashley Young out and and play Danny Rose instead? Um, you know, the way things are going, United are going pretty well at the moment. So they lean towards the way that it is rather than changing it up and and more and more like doing changing up in the summer instead it doesn't even boost their Champions League hopes does it by signing him in January because he's now cut tied for that so there's, there's not even the advantage of doing that in January yeah. I mean yeah you, you, January's another one if you bring players in you've got the potential to rock the boat a little bit if you, especially if you can't move other players on um, you know if you bring if you bring in one extra player in a position that means that either he's not going to be playing regularly or someone else who was playing regularly isn't going to play regularly and the, the potential there is to unsettle the unsettle the team a little bit unsettle the, the dressing room and, and so um, again that's that's why it's a difficult decision to make because you're mid-season and there's a, there's a you can derail things a little bit if you get those decisions wrong in January so that's another reason why it's such a tumultuous um, time I, I need to ask you this Lyle because obviously me and Jace listen Lyle you cover a range of clubs me and Jace obviously we watch Spurs every week and last season there was such a spirit about this Tottenham squad and I can't help but ask the question: Do you think Rose's comments does that in itself? Is that detrimentally affected the club in terms of spirit? Is there, dare I say, I don't kind of start anything or spark a new debate off here? Is there any divide in the camp in terms of the money side of things? Because evidently at the moment there doesn't seem to be the same, I don't say, spirit that there was last season. I know White Hart Lane; it was just a special season last season where it was the final season at the ground. But is there anything you think inside the club, the way this has been? constructed and how it's happened has it had a detrimental effect behind closed doors do you think all of this saga with Rose well I can't imagine it would have been had, had a good effect <laughs> no you know that kind of thing I don't, I don't see how it could I mean I don't know for sure uh, you know if they, I haven't heard of any any, any rifts or, or any um, mm. any real hit to the spirit of the team um, but I mean I, th- I think I said this to somebody recently when we were just generally talking about about the way things have been this season, and I think it was about Pochettino, and and I mean, there's there's a natural evolution to a team, isn't there? And and things never stay the same. No. So the spirit never never stays the same in in, in that sense. And I think Pochettino obviously came in and brought in a lot of young players and brought on a lot of young players and developed them into good players. And now those young players are starting to think like big superstars and act like big superstars. And so they require a different sort of management. Uh, you know, you're not just bringing through young players and and getting them to prove themselves. You know, in, in a sense, they have proved themselves, and they're they're now starting to think like big stars. So you've got to start managing them like, like big stars, and that's really, for me, that's the challenge that Pochettino now has, um, is to try and try and navigate these these big stars, and 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 you know, they're they're changing um, opinions of themselves really, and they're they're changing opinions of them of their places within within the footballing world. I mean, you have to look at look at Deli Ali for example and what he's become over the last year 
going from a youngster from the lower leagues who's just hungry to play football all the time and prove himself and become a Premier League player. Well, he's done that now, and he's now, you know, a superstar or a superstar in the making and, and getting all these huge sponsorship deals and appearing in Adidas adverts and, and that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? And that, mm. that, that effect on players, of course it does. You know, it affects the way they think about themselves and, and, and it affects you know, how they think about playing the game and, and, and their place on the game and... and so it's a difficult thing to have to to have to manage, and, and, and those egos, and it's part of Pochettino's job to to be. I mean, the, the players all, have all talked about him as being like a father figure. Mm-hmm. So that is the role that he has to that he has to fill, and he has to you know help these players adjust to becoming big superstars, and it can be difficult to do that, you know. Um, I mean, in terms of the whole the whole wages thing. I don't. I, I think if it has a if it has an effect on the team, it will be early in the season rather than mid season. Because what you tend to find is that during a transfer window, um, because the potential is there to move, um, it, the, you get more of an unsettled nature. So you get you get those. That's the time when those sort of complaints about wages emerge in the press or, or um, the discussion about uh, the, you know, the, the transfer the, the transfer the, the wage structure and whether it's right or not. Is, is a topic because there's a potential there to rock the boat and potentially get a move somewhere else. But once the season starts and the transfer window's over and you know you're there, players tend to settle down again and, and you know they're not they're not they haven't got agents and things you know in their ears saying this that and the other and you know they they spend more time with the team and more time with the managers during the season. So you know the the, the, the there's a bit more of a settled period and then you get January comes around again when things are unsettled again and all these topics come around again to whether it's right or not or you know whether you could be getting more money elsewhere. Or, or what have you. So, you know, I don't think that, that personally, I don't think that any of these issues is why Tottenham have had the unsettled season that they have. Um, I think the injuries have played a massive part recently. I think they were going very strongly um, before before Toby Alavaro got injured. I mean, he was mm. out for a spell last season. And the yeah, he was. Mm. He's a massive part of what they do. And, and, and you know, not, not, not just in terms of what you actually see on the pitch but psychologically for the rest of the team when the rest of the team is thinking we haven't got Toby at the back then it can have a bit of a detrimental effect and I think that and the Sanchez suspension and and obviously not having Wanyama this season um, and Dembele being out for a while um, as well I think has had more an effect on the, on the results than uh, than any you know any issues over wages or, or all that kind of thing Okay, fair enough. Jason, I want to bring you in. Anything you want to add to from what last time about Danny Rose? Anything you want to add on that subject or from your perspective? You know, the only other thing we can try and do to keep Danny Rose is hope White Hart Lane's not built and, and go into a stadium share at the Etihad or, or Old Trafford <laughs> next year because we've got to play 200 miles up north, haven't we? To, isn't that one of the complaints? <laughs> Danny, Danny, Danny. I tell you what, Lyle, you brought a, a segue into our next point which is Toby Adavero. Now Jason was recently at a Spurs fans forum where Daniel Levy was he said he was confident that he could still get this contract over the line. How do you see things low from your side of, of the camp with Toby Adavero? Do, do you think we're confident this contract can get done? Because like you said there he's a critical part of this team. We've missed him greatly. What's your thoughts on it Lyle at the moment? Yeah, I mean, if he says they're confident, then they are confident. Um, I mean, they've still got a lot of time. It's not like the guy's contract's up in the summer. You know, it's not like they're in a situation like Arsenal are in with Sanchez or Ozil or anything like that. You know, there's, he's got a lot of time left on his contract. He's got, what, till 2019 and then another year that can go on the end of that. Um, 
So, you know, there's time to uh, to agree these things. And you know, Daniel Levy's a very shrewd guy. You know, he's, the players are under contract. I think um, they're still in a, in, a, in a strong position with that. I don't think there's necessarily anything to worry about yet in terms of Toby Alderweireld's future. And, and uh, discussions have been going on for a while. And I would expect them to come to agreement. I don't see why, um, at the moment, why there's any reason why they why they can't. But um, we'll see. Time's definitely on their side. So I wouldn't wouldn't be so worrying too the much. Message is not don't panic for the moment on that one. Yeah, there's no reason to. There's plenty of time left. Okay, Jason, any thoughts on that? Toby Alderweireld, he's critical, isn't he, to this, to this team? We have to find a way of keeping this guy. He is, but if I was Toby's agent, if, if I switch it to that way rather than looking at it from Tottenham's side, if I was Toby's agent, I'd be looking at it a little bit like the Walker thing. Is there a rush for me to to sign a new contract now for an extra? six months money than I might get in the summer. If I sign that type of contract now and, and I do want to move in the summer because Tottenham have missed Champions League football or a better offer comes and then Tottenham can charge a ridiculous price for me in the way that Southampton tried to do it with Van Dijk, I don't particularly want to go down that route. So I'm not so sure even if you, you just said to Toby, well, OK, here's a hundred grand a week, that necessarily makes Toby want to sign that contract. I think he is looking at Toby's age. He thinks, you know, now's the time perhaps where I do... You know, almost want to do like Walker's done, have a real chance of winning the league next year. And if I don't think that's at Tottenham, then then there really isn't. It's a bit daft tying myself down to a massive contract with no with no get out clause in it. So, if I was Toby's agent, I don't. I think if Daniel Levy put an offer in front of me for a hundred grand a week, I still wouldn't actually be rushing to sign it if if I was uh, if I was his agent. Okay. Well, I say time will tell on that one. He doesn't, Look, he doesn't have- he doesn't actually have an agent, actually. I mean, I don't think that necessarily oh, right. affects anything. Okay. He doesn't have. His father does it. His dad does it. Okay. He's got all these negotiations. His dad and and uh, they've got a lawyer as well. There's a dad and a lawyer that do it. Fair enough. We'll talk about agents. There's no more player this season that's been the head of that talk than Delhi Ali. So he's joined recently, as we understand, all the same agency as Jose Mourinho, Harry Kane and Cristiano Ronaldo. What have you made of his form this season, Lo? And do you think the agent talk has that affected him at all whatsoever? Well, again, Delhi, he hasn't. He's kind of between agents at the moment. So right. the, the agency that he signed up to is a, is a sponsorship and endorsement agency. It's not actually a player contract agency. Oh, so okay. they they are they are they are closely linked. Uh, I think they're called CAA or something like that. They're closely um, affiliated with Jestifute, which is with George Mendes' player you know player representation agency. But the the the, the agency that you recently saw him. Sign up to was a was an endorsement sponsorship agency. It wasn't actually a, um, you know, it wasn't actually actually his representatives for his contracts. Essentially, his actual his profession as a footballer that they've got nothing to do with. So he's still between agencies, still under contract with um, with Rob Siegel, who's his agent um, when he was MK Dons and brought him to Spurs. Um, but um, I don't think it's likely that they will sign another contract um, when that one expires. And as far as I'm aware, it's, it's George Mendes who's in a pretty good position to to land Ali once once that's all been all been sorted. Um, uh, the moment again, I think yeah, the moment he's got a family member who who's kind of dealing with all his affairs and a lawyer um, as well. So if there's any if there's any agreement over a new contract for for Ali, um, I think they'll have something to do with it. Um, over the course of the next year, um, but yeah, I mean, Ali's obviously been another difficult, a difficult one. He's obviously had a lot of interactions off the field with this, um, and his form has suffered as a result. And 
I think again he's a, he's a player who's now established, isn't he? I think I mentioned it earlier that he's established himself as a Premier League player now. And uh, okay, so it's now what does he do now? He's done that, you know. How does he then kick on and develop? And um, and you know when you're when you become a superstar and all the distractions off the field that that entails, it can affect your game. And I think it has affected his game this year. It's it's a difficult one because if you actually look at the stats, if you look at Ali's stats for this year, then they're pretty much bang on what they were last year at this point. So, you know, his chances created, his assists, his his forward passing, his interceptions, his tackles, all that kind of stuff. I had a look about two weeks ago, I think, just to compare, and they're pretty much pretty much the same. And I think he was actually up on a couple of things. So, you know, on on that side, it's um, it's difficult to say he's not the same player that he was. I mean, I think he had a bit of a sluggish start last year, and then really came into his own in the second half of the season, and potentially he could still do that. Um, so, yeah, you know, we'll see, but. Um, it's difficult. It's difficult when you become such a star at such a young age. There's so much to to get to grips with and, and get a handle on. Um, so Ali's going to have dips in form, given his age. It's, it's going to happen. It's something that you have to just kind of accept with a with a player that's become that again. Yeah, become that much of a superstar at only 21. Yeah, Jace, want to bring you in? Any thoughts on Delhi at the moment? Situation with him? Well, his form has not been what we wanted it to be, and, and I just feel that there are a lot of field uh, distractions with him with, uh, with the amount of, of Adidas type of work and things like that, that he's doing and maybe it's just a case of, of you know sitting down with the right person go and, go and give him two hours in Frank Lampard's company and and, and and try and get Frank Lampard to say look it's great when you're doing all these things but remember you, you've become a superstar from what you're doing on the pitch and the minute you stop doing it on the pitch it makes it a lot harder for you to, to justify being in those campaigns so as, as much as you're in Adidas's his good books at the moment, if you want to be on their calendar boy or poster boy in 2019, you've got to start performing on the pitch. And I, I think it's just getting him the right advice off the pitch that, that, that helps that matter. But, you know, I love the player. I love him as a player, but he's definitely not the player we want him to be at the moment. Yeah, definitely a dip in form. No, I think the only concern is with this super agent, you know, being a realist... You don't hire George Mendes to go and agree you a new contract at Tottenham. You think that with an, with an agent like that, he's taking you from a Tottenham to arguably one of the big clubs in the world, a Real Madrid, a Barcelona. Is that fair for us to think like that? Well, eventually, possibly. But again, as we just said, he's 20, 21 years old. So, mm. you know, he, he, you might. It's, a, it's an investment in the future for both Ali and George Mendes, isn't it? For them right. to have a partnership. You know, whether, whether that. Like if you know if a move to a big club like that, I mean, let's not forget Dali Ali's got to prove himself on the pitch for a Real Madrid and a Barcelona to want to have him. Yeah, you know if, if struggles for form for the rest of the year, then there will there'll be no Real Madrid knocking on the door. No, um, George Mendes is your agent or not? You know, George <laughs> Mendes has got plenty of players who've never played for for Real Madrid or Barcelona, so it's not like you know every single one of the players guaranteed to move to one of the top clubs just because he's George Mendes. I mean. He's in a better position than most to be able to broker a deal when they want those players. But I think Ali, at the moment, for what we've seen of Ali this season, Ali's got to do a lot more before he wants to go and sign for a, for a club like that. Um, I mean, I, the way the way I mean, at least Real Madrid, as far as Real Madrid is concerned, the way they play at the moment is not the, 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 their shape and 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 their tactically they're not geared up for an Ali number ten sort of position at the moment. They play three forwards. Uh, not a number. Not necessarily, they don't really play number ten. They've got Cruz there, who's kind of advanced eight. So, 
yeah, I think you would need to see a new manager in at Real Madrid that played a different way. I think before you before they would. Come Okay, James, did you want to say that there? Go on, James. I was going to say, I think think with his present form, if George Mendes got him a club anywhere, it would be at Wolves, where George Mendes has more of a (laughs) as an influence. I mean, he's certainly more Wolves than Real Madrid at the moment, but we all know what the potential is, that's for sure. That is true. Lol, sticking with you, talking about Spanish clubs, Gareth Bale, this name continues to not go away. I think Spurs fans are winning this more than anybody else at the moment. Um, I know yeah. you commented a couple of weeks ago, Lowell, on, on Twitter about Gareth Bale. What do you see long-term? Because he hasn't had the desired effect so far um, at Real Madrid this season. Can you see them persisting with him? Or do you think the player at some point would love to come back to the Premier League? And could Spurs be that club he'd love, love to come back to? What do you think, Lowell? Well, he struggled with injuries, isn't he? It's, it's hard to, to say that um, he's not made much of an impact. I mean, he, he made a massive impact at Real Madrid before mm. he... Yeah, of course, no, definitely. Yeah. His last last season and this season, he's he's struggling, and uh, you know, from Real Madrid will only put up with a player that um, has so many injury problems for so long. As far as I understand it, at the moment, you know, Bale's not close to becoming on the market. And um, again, I think again, that's down to if Zidane stays there beyond next year as well. Um, he's always been a big fan of Bale. He's always been a huge advocate of, of Bale. Um, but they'll be, listen. If Bale became on became on the market, there would be a scramble of every top club around. Mm, I can imagine, yeah. So it's not. It will not be nowhere near as straightforward as Tottenham just going. Yeah, we want him back. Thank you very much. You know, it would be there would be every top club around that would want him, um, and he would still fetch a huge price, and he would still want massive wages. You know, with. <laughs> it's it's funny that the the you get a lot of people or it appears to see a lot of people who have a lot of faith that. Tottenham could land bail and pay him a lot of money and <laughs> the people that don't think Tottenham will pay De- Toby Alvaro the wages that well, he wants. Well, this is it. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> it's, yeah. A, it's an interesting one. The, 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 the wage structure is there for a reason and they wouldn't even smash the, smash the wage structure just for a, for a bail, you know. So, um, ne- next summer, well, again, it's far, it's far away. There's so, there's so many things that happen, I think, before that. And it's great that great that supporters get excited about it. There's nothing more exciting, is there, as a supporter than, than your favourite player of however many years coming back in a dream move to the to the club. Um, it would be it would be a fantastic thing, but um, I think we're way off from that happening at the moment. Okay, Jace, do you do you feel from your perspective that are we just a Gareth Bale away from really really competing at that very top, or are we more than just that in terms of the current squad? Well, I certainly think if we'd have had Bale the year we chased Leicester down, I think Bale would have tipped us over the, would have got us across that finishing line. But I mean, that's that's two years ago. But there's no doubt about it. If you got a fit Gareth Bale, you, you definitely you put more points on the board than without a fit Gareth Bale. But uh, whether that would be enough to catch a, a Manchester City is is entirely different. I think that the key thing that people have to have got got confused about in Gareth Bale is is the the famous release clause or you know the, the sell-on clause that we had with Real Madrid that oh, Spurs, you know the this nonsense that Tottenham just have to go in and we have the first option on him you know there are restrictions on that we have to match any bid from the Premier League and it has to be a Premier League club you know Real Madrid are entitled to sell him to, to an overseas club rather than a Premier League club and there's nothing we can do about that so so the clause only relates to him coming back to England and, and the proviso is that, is that Tottenham have to match a bid. So if, if Manchester United go in and said, 
here's 120 million quid for Gareth Bale. There's no good Tottenham turning up saying, OK, we'll give you 50. Because then the option doesn't take place. So you've got to match other teams' bids. And then, of course, you've got to, to match the... Or to, to come up with a, a good enough personal package for him to choose you over Manchester United and things. So just this first option clause, it, it's ridiculous the thought that Real Madrid sell him and Tottenham say, OK, we... Then, then in which case he's definitely ours because we have the first option on him. That's not the case at all. Jace, I want to stick with you. I want you to throw Lol the question we spoke about off air about FA Cup, Champions League. You asked Lol that question. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as with the top four starting to become difficult, do, do you think at some stage Pochettino will swallow the, the little bit of the pride and say, look, OK, if we are struggling here, perhaps, perhaps I do have to target a, a winning an FA Cup? Um, I think Pochettino's made it clear, hasn't he, that the Champions League and the Premier League are the two, the two priorities for him. They're the two trophies that he wants to win. And while he can still do that, um, you know, I don't, I don't see what he certainly wouldn't give up on a top four place to go and win an FA Cup. I don't think. I just don't see that, that happening. Um, you know, the champion being in the Champions League every year and having the possibility to win that trophy is massive to him and be massive to the rest of the players as well. Um. So I mean we haven't got to the FA Cup yet, so we, know, we obviously can't see how seriously they're going to take it. But mm. um, you know the the with the League Cup thing, I think that was a, that was a, a time when you know the, the fringe players, the, the fringe players they've, they've got and the fringe players they've brought in, they need games, and you you have to give them games somewhere. You, you, you just have to if you want to bring them on. You know a lot of people are talking about, or I see a lot of messages anyway and opinions that are sent to me that that that, that say why haven't Spurs got you know, got the players that can come in when we've got injured players and do the business. And, it, you know, you need to give them games and able to, to be able to do that. You know, you need to give them some kind of regular football for them to be in any kind of form that when you bring them in, they can do something about it. Um, so that's obviously what they use the League Cup for. Um, I mean, it depends who... I mean, if Spurs... Are they, are they drawn the FA Cup? They have now. We've got Wimbledon. Wimbledon, that's right. Yeah. So I think we'll... Mm. I think Spurs... Uh, yeah, I think... You can expect there to be some some fringe players in that team and uh, some youngsters, um, and give the, give them a run out and, and give them the chance to prove themselves and show they're capable of cutting it in the first team. Um, but obviously, as we get to the later rounds and it becomes more of a possibility of the team actually winning the competition, then that's obviously when you you take it more seriously. I th- don't think it's a it's a competition where you take you take the decision before or after what you're going to do. You know. You play it by by round by round, and who, whichever opposition you've got, while you're actually getting in the competition, um, and what other games you've got around it, and it's just part of, part of managing the competition you're in is, you know, you, you see what rounds you're in, and you see what's going on in the league at the same. Time. You know, if Spurs are to get dumped out of the out of the Champions League by Juventus, um, and then they've only got the FA Cup and the and the Premier League that they're in, then you you could be sure they'll they'll. Um, Put more into the FA Cup, and you'll probably see stronger teams playing that competition, and there'll be more of a an impetus, shall we say, to to win it. But as long as still Spurs are still in the Champions League, then they'll they'll fight tooth and nail to go as far as they can. Lol, you mentioned there about youngsters. There's been a real clamour recently to see more of Marcus Edwards. Where do you yeah. see his current future at the moment? Because we've seen quite a few players get game time under Pochettino that have been on the fringe of the, well, the, the reserves as such. We had Sterling come on recently. Amos has been part of the squads. There's been a, a, a real shock that we haven't seen Edwards emerge yet. Is there a reason behind that you can fill us in on, in your opinion? 
There's, well, there's, I don't think there's any more than I can give than what the manager's already said. I mean, he he, he already um, re- well, yeah, revealed, didn't he, that um, there's an issue there with the with the players' um, focus and with his with his attitude, really. And you know, the, you can have all the talent in the world um, if you don't have the application, then Pochettino's not going to play you, is he? Um, that's just, it's as simple as that. I mean, he's. Uh, I am rather a, a little bit surprised. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I'm a little bit surprised by the 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 furor, shall we say, around Marcus Edwards. I mean, I know mm-hmm. he's shown himself to have some good quality, but it's the same kind of furor, at least to me, as an as, a, as a, an outsider looking in. It's the same kind of furor that we saw around Adel Tarapt and uh, yes. exactly and what Jason uh, said. Yeah, mm-hmm. Derek Kevin Pritchard and players like that. You know, players who have tremendous. Um, Technical ability, skill. Um, you know, no doubt that Tarapt had tremendous skill and was, you know, um, a real different sort of player on the ball. But if you haven't got the application, you haven't got the, the focus, and you can't play as part of the team when the team needs you to, then you're not going to get anywhere near the team. So um, there are other players that are much closer to getting in, um, in Tottenham's team, and I think we've seen more about the team, haven't we, as a result, you know? Yeah, um, true. You know, Asha and Oakley Booths of the world, because I Sterling's been involved a little bit, hasn't he, recently? Yeah. Um, who else is there? Well, the Amos has been on the bench recently as well for Amos. top. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, supporters are always going to get excited by the. I think what did Pochettino said? He said something about about him being the next Messi, didn't he? Or something? I th- I see, I think he's tried to use that law. If you may be more more insightful than me on this, I think he's maybe tried to use that to kind of spark the player into life to maybe kind of get his attitude on focus. I mean, you can always say it hasn't worked. Jace, it's funny that Law mentioned the exact same player that you've said when we spoke about Marcus Edwards and Adel Tarapt. That's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've, I've compared him to, to, to Rabs a few times, haven't I? And mm. Ravel Morrison's another player. Ravel, that, yeah, Ravel Morrison. You yeah. know, was a terrific talent at Man United, and we remember him scoring a fantastic goal for West Ham against us at White yeah. Hart Lane. Goal, you know, goal, he just drifted yeah. off. And you know, there's, there's, there's loads of them, isn't there? Bostock, you know, we have to learn from John Bostock, some people like that. There's, the list is endless. Talent alone is, is not enough, and, and definitely talent alone, talent alone is nowhere near enough for a Pochettino type player so you know you've got to have the brain and you've got to have the the aptitude at the, at the same time and if that just just being able to dribble past five people he's not going to get you in Pochettino's side no Lo, another player in terms of talent can I ask you about is Josh Onoma he's had a, had a dip at Villa recently where do you see mm. his long-term future do you think Spurs could still be could he could he still cut it at Spurs at some point do you think Pochettino still rates him I don't know I think Josh suffered a little bit with what's his, he suffered a little bit with determining his best position. Uh, I mean, I haven't watched him at Villa myself, so I'm mm. not sure exactly who he's playing. But he came through the academy as a number ten. Pochettino was playing with wide, wide forwards. He was playing with one ten and playing with wide forwards. So you were trying to get in that kind of one ten position. Um, and I think he obviously saw him as a bit more of a right-sided wide player. He was playing him off the right, wasn't he? Uh, but now, but now Pochettino plays with two tens. Um, you know, you think there might be a bit more scope for him to get in, get in there, but I'm, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not aware of how well he's getting on at Villa, um, and I'm not sure. I mean, Josh is a decent player, but I'm not sure he's got the talent to cut it as a top player at Spurs. I think, you know, he, he, uh, these youngsters have been around a, 
around the team before, but this, the team has developed and the team has gone on and improved, and they haven't improved with them. So that's also part of the problem when, you, when you're trying to bring these young players into the team, is they might look like they are on the periphery of things for a time, um, but if they don't really crack that nut then and there, the team can move on without them, and then they never really get that chance to get back in there. Do you see what I mean? No, I see so, you mean, yeah. Similar sort of story for Cameron Carter-Vickers, I think, as well. He was on the periphery of the team for a while, but didn't quite get enough games, didn't quite develop in the way they wanted him to, um, as quickly as they wanted him to. So he wasn't able to to crack that nut, so to speak. And he's um, he's gone on and done done really well at um, Sheffield. Um, but obviously they brought Van Foyt in there because he's, he's more of the kind of player that they want. He's more of a natural successor to, uh, or a natural uh, understudy is a better word, to... Um, to Alderweireld playing a similar sort of way I mean I've been quite impressed with Foy from what I've seen Yeah, but you still have to think of him as a youngster even though he's just been signed I mean he's still a very young player uh, and one to develop and um, he looks uh, he looks like a good prospect to me Yeah, just on Josh as, as well I think you also have to, to bear in mind that eventually not just do they not crack it in the first team but then the next wave of academy players starts to come through and there's there's lots of attention on, on the likes of Oliver Skip and Keenan Bennett and things like that and so you know, eventually that next generation catches up with the current lot, so that if they haven't come through like the Tom Carrolls and that, eventually the time comes to move them on. Otherwise, you you block the next pathway through. I mean, uh, Lowell, I want to ask you before we wrap it up in terms of ins and outs, potentially long term summer January. Vincent Janssen, he's over in Turkey at the moment with Fenerbahce, and he seems to be scoring goals over there. Where where do you see the long term future for him? Bearing in mind we bought Lorente, and it hasn't like you said it. He hasn't set the world alight at the moment. And it's an area that you said Spurs are also looking to potentially address that second striker option. Is that how you understand it to be at the moment? Yeah, I mean, they, they will do that. I mean, again, it's an early stage. I think they'll monitor it over the season. They'll look at, you know, who's potentially could come in the market next summer. And, next summer, and right, obviously, okay. players. But it's a difficult, very difficult decision to make that one because, as we've said before, whoever comes in knows they're going to play second fiddle to Kane. Yeah. Um, and, you know... It, it's different from other other teams in that Kane is essentially Mr. Tottenham, isn't he? He's the embodiment of the club, and mm. uh, uh, you know he's he's always going to play when he's fit. So any player that comes in knows that. So you've got firstly you've got to convince a player to want to to come to Tottenham, knowing that when Kane's fit, Kane plays. Um, that's that's the first difficulty. Well, if you if you bring in another youngster, then he's still going to need time to develop. He's going to need games to develop. So you still get into that situation where um, similarly to Janssen where you know, you, you've got a youngster who needs to play games and isn't playing games because Kane's playing. Um do you you know, do you bring in another more established player um like Lorente? It's gonna be a difficult decision and it's gonna depend on who comes in the market. I think obviously Janssen will come back at the end of the year. Um and they'll probably have another another look at him in, in pre season to see how far he's come on and see if he can Get that he's, if he's that little bit more closer to Kane um, after spending the year at Fenerbahce or or not. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's, it's a way off yet, but um, it's another conundrum. It's certainly I think it's certainly the biggest biggest recruitment conundrum that Tottenham have had since Kane broke into the team. Okay, interesting. January window, you've already mentioned that Sesson Young is one of Tottenham's key targets. We've gone an hour now. Without talking about Ross Barkley, which I find insane that we haven't brought his name up. He seems to be a player, although that name still doesn't go away. Ross Barkley, is he still of an interest to Tottenham? And can you see it happening in January? Bearing in mind the player hasn't even kicked the ball this season. 
Well, Tottenham were interested in him in the summer, weren't they? And and I think after after a certain amount of time, after he got injured, certainly I think they they decided and they certainly indicated to uh, his camp that um, they were willing to wait and and would rather wait until January to do it once he was fit. Um, and as far as I know, that 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 position you know hasn't changed, so there's still interest there. Um, you know, it's now obviously down to whether they can strike a deal with Everton. Um, it's been interesting to 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 listen to Sam Allardyce's comments on mm, it because it yep. hasn't, really sounded, hasn't really sounded like he knows fully what's going on there. No, uh, you know, he, he admitted. I think he did an interview with, with us after after his first game or after one of his first games in the first week. He was there, I think, and he was asked about it, and and he said he obviously that he'd love to keep him, but he also said I'm not naive enough to think that those you know those types of conversations about him moving on haven't already taken place. So he, I, don't, I don't think he seemed to know you know how far. Um, things had gone, but um, it's. Um, I think they're going to find it very hard to convince him to stay now. I think. Uh, I think Barkley's decision's been made up for a while that he's wanted to move on. Uh, you know, he obviously nearly went to Chelsea. Yeah, um, what happened there, Lyle? Because it was. It seemed like he was destined for Chelsea. Did the player, from your understanding, did he have a, did he have a last minute U turn? Because Chelsea are still being linked. So you'd find it bizarre now that suddenly he would move to Chelsea after all this time when he had the option to go in the summer. You know, allegedly from what we read out there, he was due to have a medical, didn't go to the medical, left. I mean, can you fill us in on that situation, what happened on that deadline day? Because it was a bit crazy, those final few hours. It was. I mean, I don't think he did actually did the medical. Right. Um, but he was. there was certainly, the ball was rolling, so to speak, mm. with, a, with, a, with a move there. And uh, and he decided ultimately that he didn't want to go. Um why exactly that is is not clear. Um, I think Tottenham's interest and continued interest, and and their indication that they were willing to wait until January to do it would would have played a factor in it. I mean, if you if again if you're Barkley and you're thinking about your next move, you're going to want to go where you're going to play more. Um, I think he'd arguably play more at Tottenham, at Tottenham than he would at Chelsea, um, given the forward players that Chelsea have got. You know, there's, there's Hazard's and your your Willians and your Pedros um, don't seem to be moving on anytime soon. Um, so. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see to see what how that plays out over the next month, um, and uh, you know, but it looks to me as if Barkley's mind is made up. So I think Everton are going to find it difficult to, or very difficult to change his mind there. Are those the main two top targets, Lowell? Then you mentioned the two. Is it Sessing Young? Yeah. Is it Barkley? Those are the main two, from your understanding. Uh, from my understanding, yeah. Okay, Jace, you've been a massive long-term admirer of Ross Barkley. This is the one surely we want to happen, isn't it? This January, we need a body. We know he hasn't kicked the ball yet, but he could prove to be a really, really vital sign at a crucial time for Spurs in a lot of games coming up in January. Well, as I said, I, I want us to sign Barkley, but I'm just not so sure that having not kicked a ball all season, that he'll have that much of an impact over the, the remainder of the season. But that, that, to me, wouldn't stop me trying to sign Ross Barkley. My one worry is if it gets left until the summer, as much as we've, we've always been linked with Barkley... Ross Barkley's looked at Tottenham as a Champions League club for two years, and if we didn't reach that, uh, if for whatever reason we missed out on the top four, uh, and and say Arsenal took our place in it, you know, and, and Arsenal showed an interest, does he then think, well, well, they're the Champions League club rather than Tottenham, so that gives me another option. But I think there are a lot of ifs and buts still to go with Ross Barkley. But I would love, you know, fingers crossed, we do bring him in in January. Lyle, the thing with January for Spurs is we, we've always seen down the years it's not been the greatest market for us. I think the last player we signed was Deli Alley. We ended up loaning him back anyway. And before that was Lewis Holtby. 
do you think there there is a, there is a confidence that we will get something done in Jan, or is it a case that you know things can always change in this market? Well, I think with January it's about taking the opportunity on certain players when it comes along, and 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 they they come along rarely at January when you can sign a top player because clubs don't want to let the top players go halfway through a season, do they? Um, you know, even even if you've got a really unsettled top player that's desperate to move, um, you know, obviously it's down to where the particular club is um, in in the table at that point and what they've got to lose or gain by letting that player go. But it's it's very rare that you you will see any top player move on in January because clubs just don't want to lose their lose lose their top talents. But I think, but whatever club, whether it's Tottenham or not, and whether it's Barkley or or not, you've got to take the opportunity when it comes along and. Barkley one is obviously a particularly special special situation in that he's only got six months left in his contract. He nearly nearly left in the summer anyway. He's already you know all the signs are that he's indicated that he doesn't want to be at the club anymore, um, and he hasn't played a part in Everton season up till now either. So, um, so when you've got an opportunity like that to sign a player of Barkley's potential and and calibre, and the fact that he's English as well, and he's only got six months left, and you can get you know a, a, an England international and potentially a top England player in the future um, for a good price, for a good deal, then you have to look to take that opportunity um, when it comes along. That's that's why you don't get many deals in January. Obviously, the Alley one is a, is a similar sort of case, you know. Yeah, he was uh, loaned back. Yeah. You have opportunity when it's there and the opportunity was there. Um, I mean, with the Sessignon one, it's a bit more difficult to establish whether that opportunity is there or not. It's certainly not there in the same way that the Barclay one potentially is. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, it'll, it'll be... One, I guess, one maybe two um, would probably probably be how it plays out. But again, anything can happen in January. Okay, can I throw you some names, Lyle, that have been mentioned? I don't expect to go into great depth on these, but just tell us your thoughts if any of these are, are goers or yeah. not at all. Um, yeah. We've had obviously the links like of Damari Gray, Kovacic, Gomez of Barcelona, Mares, mm-hmm. Zahar. Are these just names being banded about? Can you see any of those names remotely being looked at by someone? Um, well, the Gomez one is interesting because Gomez was. There, I mean, there, there has, he's a good player. He's a similar player to Barkley, a similar sort of position, but probably a bit more technically gifted than right. Okay. Than Barkley is, um, but I think the way I understood it in the summertime is that I think Gomez's um, representatives, his party, his his camp, so to speak, were a little bit more keen to get that one done than Barcelona were. Right. So I think trying to make that happen in the summer, and Barcelona weren't really that hot on letting him go and I think he's been back in the team hasn't he recently I've not been paying much attention to Barcelona I have to confess recently but I think he's been playing a little bit recently um, Gomez um, but um, but there was certainly a little bit of interest there from Spurs and a number of other clubs but but whether whether Barcelona will let him leave in January or not I mean I think it was unlikely but, um, who else was you who else I did said Mares, Gray, Kovacic, Zahar any of those well, Mares. I mean I've always had very cold answers from yeah. my contacts yeah, Spurs, Mares. I've always had I've always had a no when I've asked in the past about whether they would be in Mares. So there's no, I can't, you know, I would probably wouldn't even bother asking the question again, to be honest. I think Jason's um, relieved. I can't, I don't, Jason, you can't. Uh, I think you you wouldn't want to see Mares here, would you? From previous shows we've done with you. Well, well I've always said it two ways in Mares, haven't I? I've, I've always said if Harry Redknapp was our manager, I'd be delighted to sign Riyad Mares. But if Pochettino's our manager, he's nowhere near a Pochettino player. But that doesn't deny the bloke's uh, an incredibly talented player. But as we talked about with um, with Edwards, you need a lot more than just talent uh, to impress Pochettino. He's a he's a Harry Redknapp player. Not a, not a yeah, he doesn't player. do enough defensive work, does he? That's no, no. You know, he mm. doesn't do the press 
he's very much a kind of wait, pick up good areas and, and look to hit hit teams on the break and um, in that way. So, you know, I don't think, well, I certainly don't think Spurs would sign a player where they would have to carry in terms of, mm. you know, defensive side of things. And I think that's why probably the reason why they haven't haven't ever looked at him while Pochettino's been there. Um, who's the other one you mentioned? Zaha, you mentioned. Yeah. Zaha was one that they looked at and wanted to do when they were still playing the 4-2-3-1 system. So, the, obviously things have changed since then in that Spurs look for more more of the width from the from the wing backs now. Mm. So that was before before Pochettino switched switched to the kind of the three four and uh, he was still looking for wide forwards. And I think again we that's I've, I've, this one of the reasons why I defended Nkudu a little bit re, um, recently or over the last year or so is because I think he's suffered as a result of that formation change. So he's brought into the club when the club wanted to sign wide forwards, he's brought in as a left sided forward. And actually, what happened was the formation shifted to a to a three four three or a, or a three five two. With, um, who was the other one? You said you said someone else as well. We've had so I went. I Zahar. Joe, there is a name actually from Mark. I think Mark has asked the question: Do you think Richarlison could be a target? Now he he looked really good in the first half. Well, say first half of the season when he came on the scene at Watford. He's dipped up a little bit. What do you make of that one, Lyle Richarlison? He looks like, he looks like a great player on the eye at the moment. He does look like a good a good mm. prospect, doesn't he? I don't yeah. think it's something happen next month but um he was brought over by by base soccer who um oh, got a, isn't a that danny and danny rose and car walkers agents aren't they that, well, that, exactly but they also yeah. brought, brought Sanchez over as well in the summer okay. and they um uh, brought erin lamella to the club as well um so you know i suppose we'll be aware of him because of that um but um he obviously wasn't he wasn't what they were looking for in the summer um but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I think that pri- that position is necessarily a priority until until someone like perhaps well, I don't know. You'd need someone to move on in those forward positions, wouldn't you? Really, before they started to look out look at another. You know, if you look at the four options that they've got to play in the two number ten positions, yeah, as Ericsson, Ali, Son, and Lamella, um, you'd need you'd need one of those to move on before Spurs. I think decided to bring in another player like um, like that. You mentioned Lamella there, Lol. Bearing in mind this 12-month period he was out, there was a lot of speculation over this 12 months as to all alleges if he was even really injured. There's been such a lot of speculation. But Lamella, do, do you see a long-term future? Because I've been a massive fan of him from day one. I, I, I really do feel there's some quality in there. Yeah. What's your I, thoughts I, on Lamella? I mean, is, is there still a long-term future from at Tottenham, from your understanding? I think so, yeah. He's got plenty of years left on his contract. Mm. I think he's shown... I mean, he's, he's been out for a long time with a... Quite a serious injury. I mean, we mentioned. Did we talk about this last time? I think we we, we did I actually. Think we did touch upon it. Yeah, the injuries and and the speculation, mm. which was just ridiculous. I think because of what yeah. he was injured, and he had to have a double hip operation, <laughs> which is not a very typical injury to have, and it, of course it's going to keep you out for a long time. I mean, uh, if you or I had a double hip operation, we'd be out for for a hell of a long time. It's a, it's a operation you expect people in their eighties and their nineties to be having a double hip operation. So you know. There was uh, there's certainly nothing on toward going on there, and, and the fact that he's come back and shown the talent again that he has so quickly, um, I think shows what what a great player he could he could still be. Um, I, I, I'm like you, yeah, I'm a big advocate of, yeah. of Lamella. I really like him. Yeah, I mean, again, his attitude is very good as well. At the same time, so that's another thing in his favour, you know. When Pochettino came in and they, they'd had all brought in those players that they did the year before, and obviously. You know, it was about who took to Pochettino's methods and who didn't. Who was prepared to work 
hard defensively off the ball in the way the manager wanted and who didn't. And the two players that stood up to the plate and showed that they did and learned and developed that side of the game were Ericsson and, and Lamella. And that stands them in really good stead um, with the manager now. Okay, great. Before I lull, have we got 10 minutes just to ask you some listener questions? Have we got that? Is that all right with you? Sure. Is that all right? Okay, lovely. Yeah. Um, before I do that, Jace, is there anything you want to ask Low on transfers before we come on to listen to questions? Anything? No, no, that's all right, mate. Lovely. We're, we're fine. That's all right, yeah. Fantastic. Okay, Lars, so just to finish it off, some listener questions. Um, Dom Coeur de Leon asks, do you think Spurs' wage structure will change once we've moved into the new stadium? Uh, I think Spurs' wage structure will change once they start earning the revenues that they want to from the new stadium. So it's, it's obviously about budget, isn't it? And the the reasons that well, the, the principal reason they're moving into the bigger stadium is to generate bigger revenues, so they can have a bigger wage structure. So, you know, yeah, Spurs' wage structure as it is now is not going to remain the case forever. Okay, there you go. Uh, Dominic Sibley asks: Is Champions League qualification essential for the opening at the new stadium? And if so, do you think we will spend big in January to help us get a top four finish? You mentioned Barkley and Sessignon. I mean, it sounds like we're going to be again on a, on a budget. So, does that play into that question at all? Is it, is it essential? Yeah, so he's put, do you think we'll, we'll spend big in January in order to get that top four finish if Champions League is essential going into the new stadium? I don't think they'll spend big. They'll spend wisely, won't they? Mm. They'll spend. They'll identify the players that they want to get, the players that we've already talked about. And if they can get them, then get them. You know, if they're going to improve the squad, then they'll do it. But they're not just going to sign any old player in a kind of some kind of panic routine to try and, and get the team in the top four. I mean, it's still really, really close. They're only, what, two points outside, aren't they? Or something yeah. at the moment. I've got to take now. So, like, top four's over for Spurs and they need a huge investment to get them there. The, the team's more or less there, you know. You've got Sanchez to come back. You've got Alderweireld to come back. You've got Wanyama to come back. So, they're going to, you know, to say they're going to feel like new signings, but in a sense, they will, so. Okay. I think just the, just the impression on that, Rick. Mm. I get the impression from the I get the impression from that question that that he's saying, will we go and spend a, a massive amount of money on a on a superstar to to ensure that that we do get top four? And I think the answer is there won't be a superstar available in January. They, they're only available in the summer. Yeah, yeah. I think Lars says he's covered that. I mean, let's let's do one final question then. So this is from Gavin Spurs. He says, if you look at Liverpool, Chelsea, United, City, and Arsenal. All their attacking options, they have five to six players who could all be first 11 players. Why have Spurs allowed themselves to go in with just four players? I, I can only assume he's alluding to the likes of Sissoko, Dembele. Help me out here, Jace. Who else is he alluding to in the midfield? Well, well Lamella's, Lamella's around now. Lamella's so now around got, now. Yeah. You've got Kane, Lamella, Eriksen, Son, mm. Deli Alli. So it's more than that. Yeah, yeah. But so so there's five there now. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's how we play. Um, we, we haven't got the the money to have. Um, we can't afford people a hundred grand a week to be sitting on the bench to to increase those options. As, as sad as that is, and as much as we we don't like it, it it's the simple fact of the matter. We will not pay pay a hundred grand a week for somebody to just sit on the bench and idly watch for for the odd game here or there. So that dictates what we're doing on those forward positions. Lol, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time out for this hour, 15 minutes. I think you've uh, given us some great knowledge on Spurs in January. And um, I think a lot of people are going to hold you to it now. So 
<laughs> hope for your <laughs> sake we can hopefully get some of these players over the line. Should we try and be as confident as we can, Lowell, or is it the case that the window just dictates different movement? We can't always pin our hopes on you know players coming in as such. I think you should be confident of um, of at least uh, of at least one. Okay. Uh, but um, I think Spurs, Spurs fans should be still confident for the rest of the season. Really, obviously the title has gone, um, but it's not just gone for Tottenham; it's gone for everyone. Um, yeah. So I think there's a thing for to remember. Really, um, you know, the City are, are just far and away the best team this year um, for a number of reasons. Not just because of their recruitment, but also because the players that they had there already have fully adjusted and and bought into what what Guardiola wants them to do and he's just just that little bit more clever than everybody else unfortunately um, so you know that's that's unfortunate but Spurs fans should be really confident about the team finishing in the top four again I don't see any reasons why they won't um, you know as, as we mentioned before once they get those key players back once Toby Adeviro comes back and Wanyama and Davinson Sanchez from his um from his suspension and they get settled back into that having that best team and Tottenham are always at their best when they have a settled team yeah. and once they get back that old best team out again there's no reason why they can't go on a really good run and really cement a position in the top four but um, you know, I think that's what needs to happen Indeed Lyle very quickly just I promise you last last question Wanyama you put a tweet out about him recently saying he was doing some ball work stepping up his recovery how far yeah. is he away do you think in terms of featuring the first team? Not that far away now, okay. um, by the looks of it. I mean, will he, I don't think he'll play. Um, I think playing this month might be slightly too soon, really. It depends, because um, he's, he's been out for a long time, hasn't he? So it's about it's about getting up to speed with everybody else now. I think he's physically just about there. Um, not quite, because he's not, he's not completely fully back in training, as far as I know yet. You know, he's, he's doing the warm-ups with the team and doing the ball work with the team, but the actual full contact stuff at the end of the session, I'm not sure he's back doing that yet um, but you know so it's now just a case of getting him up to speed with everybody else Lol, once again we cannot thank you enough for coming on tonight it's been such a pleasure having you honestly you thank what? you so much for all, all your time really really do appreciate it and um, before I do pass over to Jace I've got to say quickly we've been doing obviously the show now for at the best part of three, four months. Guys, we cannot thank you so much for all of your support during this period, all of your very kind messages on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Honestly, guys, we couldn't do the show without you. Thank you so much for all your questions. I'm sorry we don't get them answered every week. Um, as always, Jason is on hand to answer your questions on our Twitter account. And Jace, any messages you want to pass on during this festive period for all of the listeners out there that have been so, so supportive throughout our no. period of doing this? No, the level of support we've had since since restarting up has been fantastic, and I love all the the interaction with the questions and that that we have with the listeners. I might not always get the right opinion. <laughs> I I always say, Rick, it's opinions, not answers. That no, I to fair enough. Opinions, <laughs> but uh, no, keep that interaction going. Keep Kev Green and people like that all nice and grumpy, and and uh, hopefully everyone has a fantastic Christmas. And we're we're celebrating six points by Boxing Day from Burnley and Southampton. Fingers crossed. Well, guys, listen, have a fantastic Christmas. Eat loads, hopefully on the back of Tottenham wins. We'll be back over the Christmas period, reviewing, hopefully, some Spurs wins. And as always, come on, you Spurs! Podcast.
Podcast Network.